Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining me here on Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, the founder of Bare Bones Yoga. I am a yoga teacher with many years of experience, a certified personal trainer, and an entrepreneur. My mission is to show you how to get confident, speak clearly, feel authentic, grow your impact, earn your worth, and build a community. For years, I've been working with teachers in my signature program, the Yoga Anatomy Blueprint Learning Program, and I've seen so many teachers transform, and I can help you get there too. On the podcast, you'll hear anatomy lessons, stories from teachers, interviews with others in the field, and a dose of personal development. In addition to the podcast, don't forget to also follow me on Instagram and TikTok for daily videos on teaching topics. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen today. Let's get into today's episode. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, and this is episode 210. So I am recording this on October 20th, although you will be listening to this on the 24th. And so you'll have already gone through your weekend by the time you're listening to this. I am actually um, here at my desk and I'm getting ready for the first of my two free workshops this month, all about anatomy-based cueing. So maybe as you're listening to this, you were one of the teachers who was at my workshop. So that's kind of funny how <laughs> I'm recording it in the now, but you're hearing it in the future. Um, but anyway, I'm, I'm, you know, in the now for myself and very excited to kick off this workshop and, um, and to just, you know, continue to share what I'm passionate about, which is, you know, just working with yoga teachers and helping them find their voice, find their, best and most powerful and authentic way of teaching. And as you know, if you've been a longtime listener of the show, the, the way that I support teachers is primarily through helping them better understand movement. And, you know, my approach is really grounded in this idea that as yoga teachers, we all share a love of movement and we're all teaching movement. And in order to do that well, we need to understand how the body moves and that's where anatomy comes into play. So all of my content, even if you've listened to just one episode is around helping you better understand anatomy so that you can share it confidently in your cues and your sequences and in all those conversations you have with students. I mean, gosh, think about all the questions you get. I, I think one of you know, if you, if you ever, if you've been teaching for even a few months, you can probably start to pull yourself around. What are some of the common questions that I'm getting? And I would say for me, one of the most common questions I get as a teacher is when I teach half pigeon, people say, what should I be feeling in this pose? And I always find that so interesting that it is such a common question. And the question is pretty much always phrased that way. This this sort of abdicating to you as the teacher, the um, ability to tell the student how they should feel when in actuality, of course, they have agency over how they feel in their own body. But in the context of you being the teacher and you asking them to do a particular yoga pose, you know, they'll say to you, what should I be feeling? 
And that's a perfect example of, you know, we can come at it from two different lenses. We can come at it from the lens, of course, of anatomy and share with the student what's happening in the body just in an objective way. And then overlaid on top of that, of course, is their experience. How does it feel in their body? I always say when when teaching, it's really helpful to frame your somatic cues around things like, what do you notice in this pose? Or what are you feeling in this pose? Versus you should be feeling your hip release in this pose, or you should be feeling your hamstrings release in this pose. I hear that phrasing a lot, especially on video classes that I attend. And it really, I feel like it has kind of a detrimental effect because what it essentially does, I believe, is it takes the student out of their own experience and now gives them a label of what they should be feeling. And that can sort of short circuit what they are feeling. I'd much rather teach it in a way where I am using my knowledge of anatomy as a way to guide the student to their own heightened level of inquiry. So they have more awareness around how they are feeling. And even you know, and if you have an opportunity in those scenarios to be talking to a student one-on-one, you can then ask them, well, how does it feel in your body? And what a great learning experience for you as a teacher, for me as a teacher, when we can have those conversations with our students. And when we have that fundamental understanding of anatomy and then overlaid on top of it, we add in the actual experience of the student well, now we've really got something we can sink our teeth into in terms of, you know, how anatomy plays out, how movement plays out in the context of every individual student. And that's, you know, so much of what I love about working with students comes from having those one-on-one conversations. You know, it also reminds me as, as I'm going into this particular topic of um, a teacher that I'm working with in my mentorship program right now, and I'm helping her create an offer so that she can offer private yoga sessions. And so we've been meeting a couple of times and we had our last session and we went over a standard sequence that she could go into a private session with, knowing of course that she was gonna customize it depending on the particular person she was seeing. And we got into all these different modifications and variations, things to progress postures, things to regress postures, things for seniors, things for people with uh, dizziness issues or vertigo or wrist issues, ankle issues. You know, in the 15 plus years I've been teaching, I've seen so many private students with so many unique situations, everything from diabetic neuropathy to broken wrist to broken ankle to uh, sexual trauma to it just so many different things. And how it all comes out in the context of movement is always very um, just interesting and revelatory to me. And, you know, as somebody who teaches anatomy, we can always have that fundamental understanding of movement, but we always then have the opportunity to see it through the eyes of the individual student, especially when we work with people privately. So it's been really fun to work with um, this particular teacher and to help her create this offer that she, you know, she's creating business cards and we're identifying what the benefits are. We're creating a little elevator pitch for her. She's already got this kind of baked in source of referrals because she works um, and has her own business. And a lot of the people that she has coming to her for clients 
know that she's a yoga teacher. So this is going to be a source, just a constant source of referrals for her. So we've worked on pricing, we've worked on the sequence, and it's just been such a fun exercise uh, for both of us, really. We've talked about insurance and liability, and and, uh, we've talked about getting information in that first session and all the different questions you want to ask the students so you have a good understanding of their background. And it really highlights how little we know about the people that come to our group classes. And that's why it's always interesting to me when teachers are hyper-focused on, you know, specific scenarios that are going to come up in their teaching. When in fact, the reality is you really, as a group yoga teacher or as a yoga teacher teaching groups, of course, you might also teach individuals, but when you go into teach a group class, you don't have the ability to get the life story, to get the history, to get the medical background from your students. So your best line of defense against injury and less about injury, just more about making class accessible, your best defense is to be knowledgeable around fundamentals of movement, i.e. anatomy, and to present sequences that have a high degree of accessibility. I will always, always encourage teachers that work with me to do that, not to teach those niche, um, uh, those niche type variations in poses or poses themselves to really continue to offer just fundamental postures in a sequence that's supported by good solid cueing and a teacher that has a really good command of the fundamentals of anatomy. When you have a recipe like that, you as a teacher will be unstoppable. You will feel confident. Your impact will be felt by your students. Your class size will grow. You will charge more for your classes. You'll have greater joy as you're teaching. All of those things come from that. And that's, you know, sort of I feel like what sometimes teachers forget, especially as I talk about my program and how I work with teachers and teachers start to say, oh, I don't have the money or, oh, it's, it's just, I'm not ready or I don't have time or, you know, really it's oftentimes most of the time around the money. I really try to share that this kind of investment is a direct line to making more money. And if that's something that is important to you when it comes to your yoga teaching, it's definitely something that can help you do that. And even if you have a regular full-time job and you're just teaching on the side, you should be paid on your worth. And it's also super important as a yoga teacher that you're looking for ways to constantly improve so that you can make the biggest impact on your students. And also If you're teaching and feeling out of sorts and not feeling confident and feeling like an imposter and not feeling comfortable and not being able to answer student questions and wondering how to cue, all of those things are signs that you need to change something. You know, no one wants to be a yoga teacher and have those sorts of feelings. So all of that is just kind of a, you know, kind of what's been going on. And, you know, in terms of today's episode, I wanted to focus on something that's sort of business related. I mean, it really is business related. And of course, when I say business, I mean yoga business. And the reason I want to share this is because I have a lot of experience in this particular area. And I'm going to tell you what it is in a second. And it's it's a way that you can actually scale your business. And, And I'm going to talk to you a little bit 
in a, in a few moments about what that means for yoga, for yoga teachers and why I believe it's such an important topic to discuss. So let me just kind of put that on hold for a second, because I want to start out with a little bit of a different topic. That's really just about me and you as people. And this isn't necessarily yoga related, although I will say it definitely has an impact on you and how you are, how your health and wellness is. And that of course has an impact on how you teach. It's also information you can share with your students. It's also really just about general health and wellness. And I believe as yoga teachers, we are in the health and wellness arena. And so in addition to teaching yoga and understanding yoga and the history of yoga and the tradition of yoga, and of course, anatomy, which gets into the clinical aspect of the body. It's also important that we also are living a healthy life and, and absorbing information that's in that health and wellness arena. I have always been this way. I've always been someone who really just dives into the clinical, the medical. I started out thinking I wanted to be a physical therapist and went through two and a half years of the PT program at Boston University. I ended up switching out of that program thinking, oh, I don't want to just work with people's limbs. I got a degree in rehab counseling. I worked as a social worker for a while in a hospital and a rehab center. So I have a lot of medical background and I've always loved anatomy in that way. And I've always loved exercising and health and wellness. And when I was younger, you know, exercising was just something that I did just because it was something that I love to do. And if you listen to one of my most recent episodes, which I recorded literally on my birthday, September 29th, I turned 58. And when I turned 58, I really had this, like, how can I explain? I really had this sort of revelation that it is so important for me to up level what I'm doing to maintain good health. And the reason that my birthday sort of tied into that is because of the obvious, right? As we have a birthday and we get older, you know, we start to think about aging. And even though I don't feel old and I am healthy, I am super on top of going for all those regular annual appointments that you should do. So whether it's getting your eyes checked, going to the dentist, getting your teeth cleaned at least twice a year, going for, if you're, if you're a woman, going for your annual OBGYN, getting an annual mammogram, going to a cardiologist if you do that, which I do, in addition to getting a regular physical, in addition to, I also go to an endocrinologist because there was a little bit of a concern about my thyroid. Um, what else? Uh, oh, getting an annual dermatology check. I mean, Honestly, these are all things that we all should be doing, getting your colonoscopy, which I very much am on top of doing. Um, I don't know if I ever told you, but I had a very rare side effect of getting a routine colonoscopy, which was within 12 hours of a routine colonoscopy, which was totally fine and totally clear. I had an emergency appendectomy that had to be performed because during the colonoscopy, she nicked my appendix. and. Oh my God. I will assure you that it is highly rare. Matter of fact, when I was recovering, they brought the medical students into my room with the attending physician. And they were like, this is Karen Fabian. And she is a rare case of someone who, you know, during a colonoscopy, there must've been, and, it, and I don't think it was the kind of thing that they literally said 
was the way it was described to me because I don't want you to think there was like a, a pending lawsuit or concern of a lawsuit. Um, that was at one point the way it was described to me. Whatever it was during the colonoscopy, the appendix was irritated. It's possible because it's in that same area. I don't want to go into this. The point is, if you haven't had a colonoscopy and you're 45 or older, go get one. It's really, really important. Colon cancer is one of those things that you don't typically know you have it until it's stage two or stage three, and it is very hard to cure. So all of what I wanted to share with you right now was a little bit about my health and wellness protocol. And I've already done that a little bit by sharing with you the annual visits that I go to. I have a folder, which is a medical folder. I go through um, on a monthly basis. I check the folder. I make sure, you know, oh, what appointment is upcoming? Do I need to make an appointment? All that kind of stuff. And the reason I'm sharing this with you is to just give you um, some additional resources <clears throat> that you can access for your own health and wellness. And I do it because I care about you, the listener. I want to share information with you that does relate to health and wellness, which, as I said, is kind of the overarching arena we're in as yoga teachers. It's important that we are up on, you know, kind of what is out there in terms of medical information and clinical information, not because we're treating people, but because it is um, an adjacent arena for us as yoga teachers. I firmly believe we need to respect our professional scope of practice and we are not treating people. We are not recommending medications, even something like Advil. We are not doing anything like that. However, I would, I don't want to say I would assume, I would imagine that you're probably interested like I am in longevity in living a long time in a functional way, not being bedridden, not being chair ridden because you are our yoga teacher. And in general, yoga teachers have an affection for health and wellness topics, even those topics that are a little bit, you know, kind of on the outer edges of, of, kind of traditional medicine. So for instance, if you listen to the episode before with Lisa Marie Rankin, she talked about goddesses and all the wisdom we can get from goddesses. I've talked about crystals and essential oils and, you know, all of those things are so important as well. And all of the adjunct natural medicine pathways I've had, um, Ayurvedic practitioners on the podcast. In fact, Lisa is as well. I am a proponent of massage and myofascial release and acupuncture and acupressure and hypnosis and, you know, all those um, um, Reiki, all of those techniques. I also am highly steeped in science. And that's why I wanted to share just a couple of really interesting things that I've consumed in the science world over the past couple of weeks, because they were so profound for me to realize that I want to share them with you. So a couple of just overarching themes here from a wellness perspective. Number one, I want you to think about the difference between lifestyle and fads. There are so many fads out there. And as a yoga teacher, you're probably on a lot of the same Instagram pages that I am. And your TikTok, if you're on TikTok, is probably filled with a lot of different things that are fad related, whether it's diet, dietary things or facial creams or whatever it is, right? So just this idea of lifestyle, I feel like you know, and even yoga practice can be part of a, of a healthy lifestyle. When we approach things from a lifestyle perspective, it's less about a short-term thing we're doing to get a short-term result. I mean, anybody that has had 
um, an interest in dieting to lose weight, what they often find out is that after they stop dieting, the weight comes back. And that's because, and there's been, you know, just a lot of conversation around this uh, in the science world about the difference between making a lifestyle change to lose weight, which is a sustainable weight change versus dieting, which is typically not a sustainable weight change. And when we say lifestyle, yoga is definitely part of that yoga practice, a meditation practice, a mindfulness practice, a gratitude practice, a loving meditation practice, all of these things can be part of your lifestyle, my lifestyle. And that is something that is such an anchor for longevity, because now we have all these building blocks that all together create such a strong foundation for health. The second thing, you know, part of this healthy lifestyle is, and something that I totally do is to surround yourself with science-based tools and information. And I'm going to give you a couple of Um, references in today's episode. So you're going to want to have a pen and paper handy or come back and listen to this episode and jot down the references I give you. Because, you know, when you surround yourself with science-based information, you will notice bullshit when you hear it. And so oftentimes, as I scroll through my TikTok and I get this natural medicine doctor, heavy quotes around that, or, you know, whatever it is. And I hear what they're saying, you know, don't take a statin because this study says statins kill people. Well, that's ridiculous. You know, I mean, there, you always have to be on guard. And even recently there was a study right on the NBC nightly news about uh, a study done on patients that had colonoscopies and patients that didn't have colonoscopies. And I believe the way it was presented in the media was that there was no a decrease in the prevalence of colon cancer, even in the people who had the colonoscopies. But there was further research that needed to be um, explained from that study. And the way the media was framing it was not correct. And it essentially was creating all this concern that it didn't make a damn bit of difference if you had a colonoscopy or not, which is totally ridiculous because when you have a diagnostic test, that is the way you prevent the advancement of disease, whether it's a mammogram or a colonoscopy, or you get your teeth cleaned, whatever it is, prevention is your best medicine. So that's kind of one of those things about fads. So when you surround yourself with science-based tools, you become more um, discerning about the information you're hearing, and you're constantly getting an influx of good, solid science-based information. Um, the other thing, and I'm going to give you some of those references, um, you know, here on the show, because you know, I will just say, I always was sort of completely into this kind of, you know, content anyway, but as soon as COVID hit and we were in the lockdown of, of March, 2020, and all I was doing was walking around the back Bay of Boston where I lived, because that's basically what everybody started to do. Remember when everybody was out walking, because that was all we felt safe doing, whether we were in our homes or out walking, those were the two, those were the only two options we had. And so when I started my walking around the back Bay for, oh my God, it was probably like a year. Um, I would just listen to podcasts and I would listen to podcasts I've mentioned here on the show before, the Rich Roll podcast, the Huberman Lab podcast, the um, Simon Hill Plant Proof podcast, the NASM podcast, which is the National Academy of Sports Medicine. And I would watch um, the NASM 
a weekly master instructor roundtable because I'm a personal trainer as well. And so they did this weekly roundtable uh, online. And so it was just this constant stream of information, which at the time was so helpful to me because there was all this, you know, all this frightening information out there about COVID. So it was really reassuring to me to just have this daily infusion of science-based information about a lot of different stuff while there was also the steady stream of information about COVID. And so out of the pandemic, I just had this schedule that I created, this monthly CEU schedule of who, who, what are the podcasts I'm going to be consuming? And so on a, you know, weekly basis, every week I listen to, you know, Rich Roll. I listen to the Mind Your Business podcast, which is uh, my business mentor, James Wedmore. I listen to the um, Huberman Lab podcast, the NASM podcast, the NASM Master Instructor Roundtable. And then I also listen to Gabby Reese. Uh, I don't you probably recognize her name. She's a former Olympic volleyball player married to uh, world-class surfer, Laird Hamilton. She has a great podcast, Tim Ferriss, um, Simon Hill. I mentioned him before. You know, once you start listening to these podcasts, you will see other shows that they're on and start listening to them. I also started listening to a really cool podcast about personal finance for women. And oh my goodness gracious, I'm forgetting the name of the, of the, um, oh, Her Money with Gene Chatsky. I would highly recommend that one. And then I also love Stephen Smith from ESPN. So I listened to No Mercy, which is a new podcast that he just started. And it's not even about sports. He interviews a whole bunch of different people. So, you know, when you start to create this kind of weekly uh, CEU program for yourself, you will build such a wealth of information that you'll be able to spot bullshit out there in the media. And there's a lot of it out there. So let me just tell you a couple of really interesting things that I've picked up over the past couple of weeks that are just so mind blowing. I I wanted to share them with you. One of them is, did you know that when you exercise and I'm talking cardiovascular exercise, there is a shearing effect, meaning a force. Like imagine if you really aggressively rip a piece of paper. So there's a shearing force created by the increased pumping of your heart and blood flow, and that it actually has an effect on any circulating cancer cells in your system to to kill them. And I'm going to read you exactly what it says. Anti-cancer effects of exercise, the fluid shear stress from increased blood flow during exercise slows the growth and decreases the metastatic potential of cancer cells. And I picked that up from uh, the Instagram of Dr. Rhonda Patrick, who is a PhD in biomedical science. And she was interviewed on the Huberman Lab podcast. That was the first time I was introduced to her. And then I started following her on Instagram. Her Instagram handle is foundmyfitness. And it was a very recent um, episode, or I'm sorry, very recent video. And she typically includes the data in the Instagram post, meaning the study, you can look it up for yourself. And that's super important because don't take her word for it. And 
in her video, look at the reference and go look it up. If, if you're not using NCBI on Google, you definitely should, even for yoga related questions, because it allows you to pull up the science and read the data. And I really believe that as yoga teachers, we should be comfortable going to the medical journals, looking at the science, looking at reading um, medical information. Again, not because we're going to treat people, but because we're in the business of understanding movement. So that one thing, I mean, I've been a longtime runner. I've never thought about running and cardiovascular exercise as a way to decrease the potential or I'm not sure I'd have to look at the study in detail. Is it the potential of cancer? Or if you have cancer cells circulating in your system, it kills them. Again, don't, don't quote me on it. But this idea that there's a shearing force from the blood flow that addresses cancer cells circulating in the system. She actually goes on in the video to talk about how exercise was used in uh, a study of patients who had colon cancer and that the patients in the group where they did cardio exercise had, I believe it was like a longer lifespan than the ones who did not. So already used. And it really has implications for, you know, when you're going to the physician, God forbid something comes up and you do have a cancer diagnosis, how important exercise may be as part of your overall recovery. The other thing that came up and this is a, another episode I listened to on the Simon Hill podcast. It's episode 229 with Dr. Paul Taylor, who's an exercise physiologist, among a number of other things. And Simon Hill's podcast is a, a blend of nutrition, nutrition and physical exercise. He has a background in physical therapy and nutrition, and he does a lot of debunking around nutrition and is very um, much into sharing information about the benefits of eating a plant-based diet, which again, do whatever you want. This is, I'm certainly not in the business of telling people what to eat. I did go for eight years without eating any meat, but I did eat fish. And I went back to eating meat about four years ago, um, although I predominantly eat plants. So do whatever you want, but there's so much science out there about the benefits of eating plants. Um, and by plants, I really mean fruits, vegetables, and legumes, and a lot of fiber. Anyway, in this particular episode with Dr. Taylor, he talks about a suggested protocol from a fitness perspective to have sustained longevity at a high degree of health. And I'm going to tell you what's in this protocol. Um, there's only one component that's yoga, <laughs> you know, and I can remember back in the day when I started, you know, the messaging was all you need to do is yoga. Mm, I think we've come a far way from that protocol and we know, and I don't want to say we, and, and the science demonstrates that in order to have overall health and wellness for the long-term we need more than yoga. However, yoga is part of the protocol. So suggested protocol is resistance training two times a week. So that's, that's with weights, steady state zone, cardio zone two, one to two times a week. So steady state, meaning you have your target heart rate, you've hit your target heart rate for a sustained period of time. So for me, that looks like running. I run about four to five miles. Um, actually at this point, I'm still doing that about four times a week. And, 
um, that would classify as a sustained steady state. So for you, it could be something else. It could be um, could be riding a bike. It could be on an ergonomic machine, like a rowing machine it has to be something where you have good sustained heart rate. So resistance training twice a week, steady state zone two cardio one to two times a week hit training. So that's interval training, high intensity interval training once a week. That could even be sprints. Could be sprints, could be an online hit class, something along those lines. Uh, short bursts of exercise daily. So this means, you know, keep some weights by your desk, get up and take a walk, you know, short bursts of exercise. Again, this is lifestyle. We're talking about lifestyle. So blend it throughout your day. Mobility and stability a couple times a week. That's where yoga would come into play. Mobility and stability training. Uh, and then all together, all those things adding up to two and a half hours a week, which I will tell you, I don't think is nearly enough. I really think, you know, what it really should look like is more like 45 minutes at least a day. Uh, again, everybody's going to have their own recipe for what works for them. And I believe in that episode, they also talk about kind of the overall standards put out by, I forget the association. So that 2.5 hours per week comes from them. Uh, it's just something to think about, you know, if you are practicing yoga all the time and maybe even you're advising your clients, your students, oh, just do yoga. I mean, there's a lot out there that really speaks to the benefits coming from a lot of other things. And I would definitely say, because I have a personal training background, this comes up a lot in that arena weight training, resistance training, so important, especially as we age. When you listen to this episode 229 uh, on the Proof Podcast with Simon Hill, Dr. Taylor talks about statistics around how much muscle mass we lose as we age. Oh my goodness gracious. It's it's really dramatic. And, and you want, especially as women, bone density changes over time related to hormone changes in the body. You want to do the resistance training. You know, one of the leading causes of uh, death in older uh, folks is falling out of bed or falls where they break their hip. And so you want to have good mobility. That is what comes from yoga. The mobility that comes from yoga, the stability training that comes from yoga helps prevent things like falls, but the resistance training keeps the muscles strong so they can support the bones. Um, so I talked about the other podcasts, Rich Roll, Huberman Lab, NASM, love, love, love all these. Lifestyle-wise, I also mentioned a, a lot of what I do, eating tons of fruits and vegetables, very little processed foods. So as close to the source as possible, I'd say for me personally, I'm a huge sweets fan. So I like cookies. I like cupcakes. I like all that kind of stuff. I've pretty much cut back on all of it with the exception of every night. I like to have at least one or two cookies. I, I kind of treat myself to that. But outside of that, just about everything I'm eating for the most part is pretty close to source. So it's just something to think about, especially I don't have kids. If you have kids, it's a nice thing to kind of make them aware of. Uh, I know it's hard. You know, I go to Starbucks a lot. I used to work at Starbucks as a part-time job. I see so many kids come in and get like Frappuccinos and it's just like, oh my goodness gracious. Every once in a while is okay, but it's sometimes nice to start kids with an awareness when they're young about what's the difference between a processed food and a food that's close to source. Um, the other aspect I want to bring up, and this is really, really, really important and is getting a lot more press these days is the importance of good sleep. There are studies out there that talk about 
sleep as it relates to longevity, sleep as it relates to um, the decrease in getting uh, issues like Alzheimer's, even sleep as it relates to um, af affecting your ability, not your ability, but affecting the incidence of different types of cancer. Sleep has such an important effect on the, um, the longevity of the body and your overall health. And a recent book, I actually don't know the year he wrote it, but Dr. Matthew Walker, that's another name to write down, Dr. Matthew Walker. He's been interviewed on both the Rich Roll podcast and the Simon Hill podcast and the Huberman Lab podcast. A lot of these guests, they kind of go between all these podcasts I'm mentioning, which is awesome because then you get the messaging over and over again. Dr. Matthew Walker wrote a book called Why We Sleep, Why We Sleep, Dr. Matthew Walker. Uh, that is an amazing book. And you can even just Google him and just read a quick profile, but the importance of sleep, um, you know, and I certainly think if you're someone who stays up late or whatever, it's, it's just really important to take a look at that as part of an overall lifestyle component that is helpful to build. I will say on a personal level, since I, um, hit about 55, I started to have real problems sleeping through the night. And there's a lot of different things that can relate to that. And there's a lot of different techniques you can do. I really try to prioritize sleep. And to that end, I'm going to just finish this last piece by mentioning two additional things. I have invested in this arm, uh, this wristband called WHOOP, W-H-O-O-P. You'll see a lot of athletes wear it. Uh, a lot of golfers wear it. A lot of different athletes uh, support using one. It's sort of like an Apple watch, except it tracks a couple of different metrics. And one of the things that it tracks and an Apple watch can track your sleep. I think you have to just connect it to an app that does that, but the whoop wrist uh, band right out of the box tracks your sleep. And so every morning when I wake up, I get a sleep score and I also get a heart rate variability score and a heart rate score or not score. I can see my heart rate variability and I can see my heart rate and I get a sleep score. And then as I move throughout my day, I get different scoring for different things I'm doing. If I go for a run, there's an effort score. So all of that data becomes part of me keeping track of how things are going on a day-to-day -day basis. I used to have an Apple watch, I broke it and then I didn't replace it and I got the whoop strap. Do whatever works for you. But I would just say, whether it's a Fitbit or a whoop strap or an Apple watch, there are so many wearables right now that can give you valuable information. And if you can, in wearing one of these things, track your sleep, it's really, really important because we often... Like we really won't know the, the interesting thing about the whoop strap is it, it will tell you deep sleep versus light sleep. And when you listen to Dr. Matthew Walker, you'll hear the differences in the type of sleep and how it affects your health and how it's really, really important every night to get some of that deep sleep. And too many of us are just staying in the light sleep zone and that's not good enough. So that's all of that. And then the one final piece that I'll add in when it comes to overall lifestyle, health and wellness things, and definitely something that I do is work with a mentor. Um, I have over the past two or three years, let me even just say over the past year, 
well, over the past several years, I've not worked one-on-one, -on -one, but I have worked in groups with James Wedmore as a business coach. He is the person that has the Mind Your Business podcast I mentioned before. He is someone who has nothing to do with yoga, but has helped me build and scale my business. I also have worked with a neuroscience coach. I would totally recommend that. It was life-changing for me. If you want to talk about that in more detail, I'm happy to do a one-off phone call with you and, and talk about that more with you and, and how that helped me and how you can find a neuroscience coach if you're interested. And uh, I've also am currently part of a group of entrepreneurs and that's led by a different business uh, person. Again, none of these people have anything to do with yoga, but occasionally I have one-on-one -on -one sessions with her. And so I'm in this group of entrepreneurs. I have one-on-one -on -one sessions with her. She's also part of the James Wedmore entrepreneurial group I'm in. So the bottom line is I'm always kind of surrounded by people in conversation around stay positive, build your business, um, you know, be authentic surround yourself with good people. You know, what are your goals? Are you reaching your goals? I mean, when you're ensconced in that kind of thing, there's, you just have a different perspective on challenge and problem and light problems in life. And, you know, you're not number one by yourself. You're constantly being challenged in a positive way. You're constantly surrounded by people that help you reframe things so that you don't take things personally. You're able to get support when you want to reach goals, you know, set goals and reach goals. And that allows you to move forward. And let's face it, you know, if we're not moving forward, what the hell are we doing? <laughs> you know, what are we doing? So, um, so that's another piece, lifestyle piece, work with a mentor. And if you're looking for a mentor as a yoga teacher, you know, I think it probably stands without saying, but I'll just say it, say the obvious, you know, that I offer those services. Uh, I work with, I already mentioned the, the teacher I'm working with around setting up her private offer, uh, for her and, and what she's going to offer people. So that is something outside of my program, my yoga anatomy blueprint learning program that I also offer. So if you're looking for a mentor, you want to work with a mentor, contact me and I'll tell you how we can work together. All right. So that's all of the front end of this conversation around health and wellness lifestyle. I hope some of those tips were interesting to you. If you can't find any of the information that I've shared, just send me an, e uh, an email or a DM on Instagram, and I'm happy to give you the references. So for today's episode, the main topic I wanted to do is I wanted to talk about how to build a scalable product. So first, what we need to do is define what that means. So you know, we're out there as yoga teachers, we're getting paid for teaching yoga, whether we're teaching online, which of course happened primarily because of the pandemic and much more predominantly because of the pandemic, or we're teaching in person, we get paid when we physically show up to teach. Building a product allows you to get paid when you don't have, and you don't have to show up to do it <laughs> because it's a product, right? And I'm going to give you some examples of products. Now, I'm a perfect example of someone who's built a scalable product because at some point, you know, even before I had my yoga anatomy blueprint learning program, I had written an anatomy manual. I had written two books that I sell on Amazon. So I had products that I invested time to build them and then I marketed them and sold them. And that's a continuing process. And there's so many ways you can sell products now because technology has just exponentially grown to give 
everybody opportunities to build things. And no, you don't need to be technical. So if you're listening to this thinking, oh my God, this is something I could totally never do. That is not true. That is a belief. That is not a fact. So if you're not willing to drop your beliefs, don't listen to this episode anymore. <laughs> if you are willing to stay open and be coachable, stay on. And I'm going to share a little bit more with you as to how you can do this. So when you have a scalable product, what it allows you to do is generate revenue without having to do any work because you did the work already. So the scalability refers to the exponentiality of it. You know, like there's no limit to how many you can sell. Now, there might be a limit if it's a product that you're creating. I mean, I don't know about you, but I love Shark Tank. If you ever watch Shark Tank, I mean, that's inevitably a problem that businesses on Shark Tank run into. They get to a point where they can't keep up with the demand. So things go on back order. They have a wait list. That's not a good situation for a business, even though a business might say, isn't it great we have a wait list? Well, not really, because it means you can't scale your business adequately to meet the demand of the customer. So you want to be able to have scalability where you can meet the demand. The idea, though, for us in this conversation, and I don't want to overwhelm you with all of this kind of stuff, I want you to think of it from the perspective of if right now you're going out there and earning money from teaching and, and don't get hung up about the issue of, well, I don't need to make a lot of money. You know, I know some yoga teachers, they sort of downplay the revenue side and that a lot of that has to do with beliefs around money. Uh, you know, let's just objectively look at it. You have an expertise, you're teaching yoga. If you want to create a product, you should be paid for that. It's not something that you want to just put out there for free. So let's kind of put that off to the side. If we want to have a separate conversation about money as it relates to yoga teaching, send me a DM. We can have that offline, or maybe I can do a separate episode on that. The reason this is such a powerful concept is number one, it gets you into the arena where you can start to create something that you can sell, where you can start to, where you can create a product that you can sell. And once you're in that arena, the opportunities are endless. And that is an arena that I believe all yoga teachers should get into. The, the primary mode of yoga teachers running around and teaching tons of classes is not sustainable, is not sustainable. It is not something you can do forever in your life. And it's not super efficient. <laughs> you know, I mean, one thing I learned from the pandemic is I didn't really enjoy running around teaching all these classes. I love teaching the classes but I hated the running around and I did it for 13 years. I walked all over Boston and through the snow, through the rain, all of it. I know I'm not telling you anything you don't know. You've probably done the same. You know, I think the only slight advantage I had is I never took a class that I couldn't walk to. So I wasn't driving anywhere, but believe me, I can remember many days trudging through the snow from Charlestown to, to Cambridge or going across the Mass Ave Bridge in monsoon rain. And I'm like, why am I doing this for $50? This is just not, doesn't make any sense. So there's really a lot of advantage to look into building a scalable product because it gives you an opportunity to build that expertise, to get familiar with what that's like, to put yourself out there, to learn about marketing, to learn about articulating the benefits of something, and then to start to see what kind of traction you can build. And with that, you earn money. 
So let's talk about what some examples of scalable products are as it relates to you and me as yoga teachers. So this is really simple. This is just a starting point. I can tell you the sky's the limit. I want to just start with simple concepts so as to not overwhelm you. So a sim simple list are things like an ebook about yoga, could be about yoga practice, how to start a yoga practice, you know, could be some sequences, anything, anything that's an ebook form. So this is written, an ebook. Uh, could be an audio meditation right? It could be a series of audio meditations. It could be audio meditations with a particular theme. Just suffice it to say, audio meditation. So that's that. The next one would be a video practice, a video practice or a series of video practices or a series of video practices geared to a specific audience, whether it's moms or busy moms or corporate workers or yoga at your desk or yoga from a chair or yoga for seniors or yoga for athletes, yoga for runners. I think you get the gist. So those are just really basic products. Um, the other one I'll add, which is a little bit higher level, but I'll add it anyway, is a course. Think about something that and of course, if we're thinking about it in the context of yoga, how to do yoga, how to learn yoga, um, how to do, be, you know, yoga for beginners, something that would walk people through how to practice yoga. And it would be in course format. So it would be the kind of thing where they would log into the course. There would be several different modules. They would go through the modules. It would be kind of a self-study thing. Now, all of those examples that I just shared are geared towards you as the teacher and the consumer as the student. Now, of course, like for instance, with me, I am a yoga teacher and my consumers are yoga teachers. So I am a teacher of teachers and I teach anatomy. The scenarios I just shared with you, it's a little different because you would be the teacher and the student would be the consumer. Now you may also have expertise that you would be, that you would want to share with teachers. Let's say you're a yoga teacher who knows a lot about Reiki and you want to create a course about Reiki, or you're, you're a yoga teacher who knows about Ayurvedic, uh, Ayurvedic medicine, and you want to create a course on that or an ebook on that same thing. So I hope you get the gist there. So those are ideas of products. And now you can get into this area of understanding how it's scalable. So you create the product, you then put it on a platform that hosts it, that allows you to market it and sell it. So this is where we get into some of the some of the pieces of, well, where am I going to put it? Now, there's a lot out there. And again, not to overwhelm you, but just to give you some ideas. So if, if you are listening and you've ever bought a course from me, uh, you know, and you know, you know, when you log on, you probably don't know this for sure, but I'll just share with you. The platform that I host my courses on is called Thinkific. It's a company out of Canada and they're a great company. I would highly recommend them and they host courses. So you could create a course, you could put it on Thinkific, someone would buy it, the payment would go through Thinkific and you would market that course yourself. There is also a really amazing platform that's fairly new. I wanna say it's fairly new. I don't know literally when it started, but I started hearing about it recently and I'm kind of ensconced in all this tech stuff. 
It's called the Stan Store Link, S-T-A-N. And if you go to my Instagram, you'll see in my, in my profile, the link, my Stan Store Link. So take a look at that and you'll see how it's set up. What it essentially does is it allows you to set up on your Instagram or your Facebook, I guess your Facebook, I would have to look at could I insert the, insert the link on my Facebook? Definitely on Instagram and TikTok. In your bio, you can insert a link and it's your stand store link. And it's a store that people can visit to purchase products from you. Now, when you go to my stand store link on my Instagram and TikTok page, Bare Bones Yoga, you're going to see a couple of entries at the top that are free. So I have some free downloads, my sequence building template, my tips for new teachers uh, guide. And then I have a couple of other things, an ebook, I have my anatomy manual. I have a, a mini 30-day uh, mentorship for yoga teachers. I have my mini blueprint learning program. So these are products you can buy right off my Instagram. So this is an amazing advantage for yoga teachers because, hello, people are already visiting your Instagram page. Why not give them an opportunity to buy something from you to learn something from you. So when I said before about the ebook, you don't have to put that on Amazon. I mean, I have ebooks on Amazon and I have book books on Amazon. You don't even need to go through that process. You could literally write an ebook and sell it for $1.99 just as a way to test the process and start to see, you know, this is not going to make you rich, but it's just more to test the process of putting yourself out there, creating a product, putting it somewhere where people see it. People are already visiting your Instagram anyway. Why not let them see a link in your bio that allows them to see a menu of things and purchase something that would be helpful to them? An audio meditation would work. You can have webinar links in there. There's lots of different platforms, and I'm not going to get into all the tech stuff here and now. I wanted to just in this episode, present you with this concept of creating a scalable product as a way to um, begin to look at you as a yoga teacher through the business lens and ways that you can earn money that don't require you physically go out and teach. So <laughs> I know that's a lot in a short period of time. So what I want to end this episode with is an offer. If you are intrigued by this and at the same time, you're feeling a little bit overwhelmed, or maybe you're not feeling overwhelmed and you kind of feel like, yeah, I could definitely do this. And you want some help, just send me a DM or send me an Instagram and I'll give you a free one hour consult. I'll help you kind of map out the initial strategy for things and then send you on your way. And then from there, if you decide you really want to work with me in an ongoing way, as you're building this product and selling it. I have a ton of experience doing that because that's what I've been doing for the past multiple number of years, uh, selling and marketing my own product. So there's lots that I could share with you there. But if you're just looking for a way to get started, I'm happy to just do a free consult with you. So just let me know. So that ends today's episode. I hope that you enjoyed it. And I'm so looking forward to talking with you on the next episode of Conversations for Yoga Teachers. Have a wonderful week and I will speak with you soon. Namaste.
Hi there. Thank you so much for listening to this latest episode. And thank you so much for being part of my community and for spending some time with me here on the show. I wanted to wrap up this episode with just a quick note. I have a brand new recorded workshop page And I'm really excited to offer you an opportunity to watch recorded workshops whenever you want. I have the first installment of a workshop on the page on the website, and it is a short workshop all about how to give effective cues. And so all you need to do to watch this free workshop is go to my website, barebonesyoga.com, and you'll see the listing in the dropdown for recorded workshops. When you click that page, you'll see on that page the link to sign up to watch that recorded workshop. I'll be adding more workshops in the future to this page, and it's a way that you can access educational and growth information for teachers without having to make a workshop at a particular time. I love to get together with teachers live, both in person and of course online, which is where I'm doing most of my interaction with teachers right now. However, I appreciate that sometimes people can't make a workshop or the time doesn't work for them or they're in a different time zone. So I want you to know that this page can be a resource for you so that as you're out there and you have questions about different things, or you have maybe a half an hour, 45 minutes that you wanna devote to your continuing education as a teacher, you can just go to my website, pull up this recorded workshops page, and there will be resources there for you to take a look at. And all of the workshops that I share are all designed at number one, giving you information, and number two, giving you the skills that come from getting that information. It doesn't do you any good if I'm just giving you information on anatomy. If I don't show you how you can use it in your teaching to grow as a teacher, to grow your impact, then it's really not very useful. So all my workshops will have that dual focus sharing a little bit, and then showing you how to apply it. So I hope you'll check that out. If you have any questions or feedback, definitely let me know. Just send me an email, karen at barebonesyoga.com. Thank you so much for listening to the show. And I look forward to hearing from you. Namaste.